0: As featured in the November 2023 issue of Men's Health Magazine, To Catch a Con Man is the very intimate and detailed true story of exposing one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to operate in the Midwest. A career con man who was able to get away with scamming and stealing in and around the suburbs of Chicago for more than 40 years. What's even more interesting is that he had never been arrested in Illinois for running his scams, some that date as far back as the 1980s. If there is a living devil and evil on this earth, it is him. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois
1: could a hundred grand sustain my life it couldn't even come close so so listen to me if i was going to be in some sort of of con scam conniving thing it'd be for millions it wouldn't be for a hundred thousand dollars
0: listener discretion is advised as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners Thank you for supporting To Catch a Con Man. On the last episode, we set out to find out what Dugo was up to in the summer and fall of 2018. We went on a hunt to find a whale, the single largest financial score for Dugo that Adam had heard of yet. On this episode, the master con man and criminal continues to have the advantage. As a twist of events and circumstances tip the scales in his favor, we are set up for the perfect storm. Join me on
1: this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. Indian summer had moved into the fall and then winter. Most of 2018 proved to be such a clusterfuck of a year for me in general. If I could erase it altogether, outside of the amazing family vacation we took to Maui, I would. It was like a dark cloud was following me, and I don't really know how to explain it, but I had made some very poor choices, and the cloud hanging over me was 100% my own doing. I admit it, I owned it, and I apologized for it. Maybe 2019 will be a better year for me personally and professionally. Randomly finding Jim had brought a new level of excitement and sadness to me. I think the coincidence of two worlds colliding just opened my eyes to the power of believing. I had some concerns about Jim's timeline and specifically the statute of limitations as Dugo's cons were from the 2013 time frame. I tried asking the team if Jim's story would be one where potential charges could come, and the only real answer I got was, maybe, it depends. I also had concerns about the psychological and emotional toll this took on Jim, Something I haven't really talked about through all of this, yet has always been on top of my mind, is this. The discovery of finding a new victim or a victim finding me is this exhilarating feeling. There is this initial part where you are told about someone to look for. Alternatively, someone may be looking for you. There is this moment you make contact At that time, the con by Rick email address didn't have any spam or malicious emails coming into it. I hadn't subscribed to any websites, and the profile was strictly for building a case against Dugo. So any time there was a ding or a one next to unread messages that came into that investigative email box, I got butterflies as it was like opening a perfectly wrapped present at first. That feeling only lasted a few seconds as once you see the name and you read through the words and you see which version of Rick's scams he was running on that particular day, etc., etc., you realize that they are, too, a Ricky Dugo scam victim. And it sucks being a Ricky Dugo scam victim. I suppose what I'm trying to point out is that how delicate we can feel as being a dugo victim. You lose hope in humanity. You distance yourself from friends and family. You have major trust issues. There's not any real support out there. There are no victims advocate groups for coping with the loss of money, the loss of time, the loss of faith, the loss of trust. There is no safety net to catch us when we fall. And I can promise each and every Ricky Dugo scam victim has fallen further than most. Maybe when this podcast is over and the other shoe starts to drop, I can start working on the Cond by Rick's support group. There is always more work to be done. Going back to how I had my own concerns about Jim's psychological state wasn't because I thought he was crazy or showed any signs of major psychoses. I won't pretend I know the science of psychology any more than getting my bachelor's degree at the University of Kansas. I was concerned about opening Jim's Pandora's box was really going to fuck up his world. From what I knew, and I knew some shit, Dugo conned him for more than a year. And on this guy, Dugo pulls out some of the big cons. No amount of money is ever enough for Rick to just be able to walk away with. There is a link between sociopathic mentality and compulsive gambling, which is really the rush they are seeking to feel conning and stealing is just another score. And the only downside for Rick was if and when he was caught by a victim, he just moved on to the next target and new victim. Maybe he had to change his gym schedule. So far there wasn't any version of operant conditioning only rewards without punishment. I worried about Jim Would he have the mental fortitude it takes to reopen the massive wound that Ricky Dugo was responsible for? Would digging into every single detail of the scams have longer-lasting effects than where he may be mentally before our coincidental meeting? Was I asking too much of him? by requesting he work with the investigators. There was a selfishness inside of me, as I knew if he were to give up the details and evidence he may have kept, you know, transactional data and texts and whatever he had kept five years later, could prove to be invaluable to my case and potentially others. Was asking him to embark on this journey worth more than his own personal closure and peace. I had all sorts of questions that, when I think back to 2018, I never really asked, and I should have. 2018 turns to 2019 a perfect storm was brewing on the horizon a Massive cyclone of sorts that I wasn't prepared for no one was It's early 2019 and I am asking detective bill for constant updates there is another lull in this case And every day that clicks by, I feel like we are getting further away from our goal of arresting Ricky Dugo. I get antsy when there is just this immense amount of time and my text and emails go cold. Since the Facebook spoof page was killed off just two days after it went live, we really do not have any public platform to talk about Rick. Well, there was still one that was active, and that was the public shaming site, thedirty.com. But even that was slow to find new victims, even though the comments kept getting longer by the day. I again questioned if I was built for this, if the long wait of any sort of arrest and justice was wearing me down. Detective Bill and I are checking in weekly now. He sends me some potential victims' names and asks me if I know any of them or have heard of them. I reciprocate the same. If I hear of a new victim, I send it over to Bill. He keeps telling me every day we are getting a little closer. He usually followed that text up by saying, you still have me for nine more months before I retire. We will get him before that. As winter turns to spring and then spring turns to summer in 2019, the civilian team of spotters and I are starting to see a trend. Dugo's wife, Shannon, is actively posting large items on Facebook marketplace. We are seeing that she is listing near new furniture, tables, clothes, Authentic Louis Vuitton purses, antiques, a mattress, and some of the kids barely use clothes. Something is up, and I text Bill five pictures of the various items that she is selling. Most of the antiques she is selling are very expensive, butter buttercrock-type stoneware. And by expensive, she has multiple listings of individual pieces selling for $1,000 to $2,000 each. Wonder where she got all that money for that collection. The most bizarre item she is selling is a used toilet paper holder for $20. Why would anyone want to buy someone else's used floor-standing, hand-rubbed, oil-finished toilet paper holder? I mean, who does that? Obviously, from what I am seeing in Facebook's marketplace and activity, one of two things is happening. First, liquidating your antique pottery collection was a way to get cash that they could carry. Maybe they were actually looking to use some of the money from Rick's scams to buy them something like a real house or a real car and to start to build some positive equity and pride of ownership. The second reason, and one that is more likely, is that they were going on the run, potentially moving out of state. And maybe the Dugos just didn't want to have to move everything they had in one of their many storage units with them. At around this time, the house that J.P. had rented on behalf of the Dugos is coming up for eviction. My team of spotters and I are keeping an eye out for the Dugos. On June 25th, 2019, I happened to be on my way back from the gym to the office. I decided I wanted to do a quick drive-by of the house they were living in, which was on a street called Hague Point. The past 10 or so drive-bys had been pretty lame. I've only seen the F-350 Dually parked in the driveway. You know, the one Emily from Indiana purchased for Rick. But on June 25th, 2019, at 1.24 Central Time, the garage was open. And as I'm driving by at a slow speed, I snap off some pictures of that bright red Nissan GTR, and I drive past the residence. What I didn't notice is that Shannon Dugo was actually walking to the car. And she sees me. I am like, no big deal. It is what it is. So I keep going and I meander through the neighborhood until I can get out onto a main street. Shannon is trying to follow me. As I head out of the neighborhood, I figure I had already lost her. And I just continue on my way back to the office. About two miles away from the house, I am stuck at a red light. And who do I see coming up behind me? The stoplight turns green and I unleash the beast. But I am now being followed by Godzilla, meaning the Nissan GTR. And if you know anything about cars, the GTR is incredibly fast. I gun it and try to create some separation to see if I could get out of the situation I had put myself in. But Shannon is driving Godzilla like she stole it. I mean, her husband practically did steal it, and she is literally on my bumper for over five miles trying to intimidate me and run me off the road. It was a five minute car chase. It went from Town Lide Road at Milwaukee Avenue down to St. Mary's and then back up through Lincolnshire and into the fringe of Lake Forest, Illinois. The woman could drive. I will give her that. At the roundabout, I slowed down to a crawl and then made the right-hand turn onto Riverwoods Road. She went east and over the highway. No harm, no foul, I guess. I will admit that I was being a little reckless in conducting some of my drive-bys and my check-ups. I decided if I were to do that one again, I would alternate my vehicles and take a different car, as my wagon was a unicorn of sorts, one of maybe 300 in the United States, and it was the only dark blue E63 estate in the North Shore of Chicago. I needed to be smarter in the future. after I had my run-in with Dugo's wife, I heard word from Detective Bill that the Dugos had moved to Florida. And while that wasn't going to stop the team from continuing to interview victims and or accomplices, obviously, it would be hard to keep tabs on them. It was bittersweet to hear. Leaving the state would mean that they were someone else's problem. But the objective to keep my neighbors in the northern suburbs safe from being victimized had, in a sense, paid off. Ricky Dugo's reputation now was that of a fraudster, and he was forced to flee the state, large in part because the rumors were spreading about him being a scammer. So we were good now, and we just had to wait for Lake County to make the arrest. Well, at least we thought we were good. More to come on that next. The Dugos pack up their shit and head to Florida in early July of 2019. I know nothing about what they were planning on doing down there, but whatever happened down there, it was very short-lived. Around September 5th, 2019, which was a Thursday, I was working out of my office building in Lincolnshire, Illinois. I was leaving for the day and heading out to dinner with my son. There's only one way into my building and one way out. You travel about four blocks on a street that winds from my office building and gets you to the stoplight at a major intersection, Route 22, also known as Half Day Road. There is a hotel just to the north of my office building, a Homewood Suites by Hilton, just at the corner of Tri-State Drive and Route 22. Now, I'm not paying much attention, but as I'm driving out and on Tri-State Drive heading towards Route 22, I happen to look over to my right. Something shiny and red had caught my eye. In the parking spot closest to the road I was driving on was a bright red Nissan GT-R. I saw it, and I wanted to turn around to get a better look-see, but I was on a really tight timeline as my son was meeting me at the restaurant around 5.30. I just made a mental note of that car, and here is why. Nissan had made many GTRs since 2010 or so. Most of them are black, white, and or silver. In looking at the production numbers in model year 2018, the bright red color was less than 10% of the US-based GTRs that were produced. So seeing a bright red Nissan GTR in the parking lot next to my office building just spurned this idea that maybe the Dugos had come back to the Chicagoland suburbs. And if so, why were they living in a hotel in Lincolnshire, Illinois? I was working from home the next day, which was Friday, and we had obligations on Saturday. So I decided that on Sunday, September 8th, I would drive out to Lincolnshire and see if the red GTR was parked in the parking lot, and if it was, I wanted to get a picture of the license plate. It was a crummy day outside. The drizzle had changed to a steady rain. I arrived about 10.52 a.m., and at first I do not see the Nissan parked in the side lot. So I drive over to the other lot, which was closer to my office building. Bingo! The bright red Nissan GTR was still there. I turn my phone to video, park the car, and then sprint from my car to the GTR and to the rear of the car to video the license plate. The license plate reads 333ZAB. And it's an Indiana license plate. In my head, I know for certain that this is Dugo's scam GTR. I hightail it back to my car, and I'm shaking as I'm thinking, I'm going to get caught. I get back into my car, and I head over to my office building's lower-level parking garage. I pull up another photo I had kept in the Dugo file, one that was again... Of that same bright red Nissan GTR, and I looked at the license plate. It reads 333 ZAB, again, an in Indiana license plate. It is for surely the Dugo's Cond Nissan GTR, the one that they scammed from Rose in Indiana. I immediately text Detective Bill the video I took. I explained that they are back and staying at the Homewood Suites in Lincolnshire. I knew that the repo man had been looking for the GTR. So I tell Bill, you may want to contact him with the location and time and send him over to recover the vehicle. Bill texts me back that he will send Tony over in the next few days to get a look at the car. So over the next few weeks, my spotters and I notice the Dugos are literally living out of the hotel. I spot another one of the cars that Dugo's wife is driving. It's an Acura MDX, a midsize SUV. I make a note of the car and its plate and I send it over to Bill to check that one out as well. I am scanning the parking lot from my office building on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and over a three week span, the Nissan GTR is there nearly every day. About a month into the Dugos living at this specific hotel, they get up and go, and I won't know until about two weeks later where they ended up. Detective Bill and Tony head out to the Homewood Suites and interview the front desk person to see if he happened to know where they went. He told Bill that they hadn't, but the Dugos had left abruptly, quickly, and without paying their hotel bill. A few weeks goes by, and I had heard that they were still in the area, staying at yet another hotel. It made sense as Shannon has two children with her ex-husband who had been living in Vernon Hills this entire time. I believe Shannon wanted to stay in close proximity to her children, and that may be also why they abandoned Florida in the first place. Maybe Shannon wanted to come back home and see her other kids. Who knows? But it seems like the most plausible reason. I get a message from one of my spotters that they have a hit on the Acura MDX SUV. It is now parked at a residence in hotel, three miles north of the Homewood Suites in Meadow, Illinois. So, of course, I go over there and drive through the parking lot, and there is the MDX. I take my requisite picture and send it over to Detective Bill and they start to keep tabs on the do Now, about this time, let's call it late September to middle of October 2019, Ricky is frequenting a high-end car dealership in the Libertyville, Illinois area. From what I know now, he has been going almost every day to this dealership to play around with building himself a special edition sports car. They have a kiosk configurator, and he would pretend that he was interested in buying one of these $160,000 sports cars. Ricky wasn't at this dealership to actually buy a car with his own money. No, 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 no. He was there doing his own reconnaissance as he was running out of people he could con and he needed to make a quick score. At some point early in October, a salesman recognized that the same very large guy was frequenting the showroom. So he approached him and sparked up a conversation with Dugo. Dugo told him he wanted to build out a specific sports car and he was hoping somebody could help him out with the configuration and the details on how to place his order. The salesman provided Rick with his business card and over the next few visits to the dealership in typical Ricky Dugo fashion, Rick was able to forge and start a friendship for the purposes of this podcast we will call the salesman, Lou. Now, when Lou provided Dugo with his business card, he also wrote his cell phone number on it. So if Rick was wanting to place that order for the high-end sports car, he could just call or text Lou and plan on a time to come in and get the deal done. Rick was stopping in a few times a week now, shooting the shit with his new buddy Lou. And at some point, Lou provided Dugo with some basic information about his own financial situation. I think you all know where this is going. In the middle to end of October, Ricky Dugo calls Lou on his phone in a tizzy. He goes on to tell Lou that him and his children are about to be evicted from the residence inn in Meadowa, Illinois. And if that happens, the children will be removed from their school. In the same conversation, Ricky Dugo goes on to tell Lou that he is getting divorced from his wife, Shannon, and he needed to develop a book of financial assets to protect himself from his wife getting too much money from him through the impending divorce proceedings. Rick is once again playing the victim, another example of his sociopathic personality, appealing to Lou and begging him to help him out of a jam. Now, Lou, whom I have met in person, is a very nice and thoughtful man. I remember him saying that at the time Dugo called him, they had never spoken on the phone. And while he thought it was weird that some new acquaintance was now calling and asking for help, he said to me that it was really in his nature to help other people out. So while Dugo's out-of-the-blue request to help him out seemed random, he would have helped out anyone in that same situation or circumstance. Obviously, you have heard now that Dugo has been getting divorced for years now. This is all part of him playing the victim to appeal to the victim's softer side. Lou goes to the hotel and pays the balance of the Dugo's bill, and from what Lou remembers, it was about $1,000. Over the next few months, Dugo dug his claws into Lou and convinced Lou to front him for several months' worth of rent all under the promise that the rent payments would allow Lou to benefit in various Ricky Dugo business enterprises. Rick was going to use the money as investments into his innovative soap polymer invention, as well as a new invention Dugo had created. Dugo gave Lou information on a new fictitious business venture. Dugo was now the inventor of a cannabis ingestion device, as he supposedly filed for new patents on this cutting edge weed machine. Obviously, and I know that y'all wanna say it with me, this is all bullshit. Dugo does not own any patents for the innovative car wash soap polymer, nor does he own any patents for the cannabis ingestion device. Over the next few months, Ricky Dugo convinces Lou to pay for all sorts of debts to others. He takes out personal loans for furniture, Rolex watches, at least six vehicles, including two Harley-Davidson motorcycles, a $75,000 black Dodge Charger Hellcat, and three Honda dirt bikes all six vehicles were in Rick's possession. And it doesn't just stop there. He keeps stating to Lou that if he receives just a little more money, he will be in the black, and then he can not only pay off these six vehicles, but he would also make and give Lou a handsome profit. By the time Dugo is done with Lou, he has been taken $34,000 $34,000 in cash and over $140,000 worth of furniture, Rolex watches, and vehicles, all on credit cards and in various loans. Lou was also not successful in getting Dugo to pay him back the money. The only item he was able to get back was the Dodge Charger Hellcat, and that was only due to a future event that Dugo didn't see coming. We will come back to that in a future episode. Since being Dugo'd, Lou had to file bankruptcy and is still having his wages garnished today in 2023. His family has also suffered. Him and his wife nearly got divorced because of this event. Lou mentioned to me that the emotional strain and the financial losses left him broken. This particular story, this particular con, is another one that absolutely kills me. Lou's con and scam should never have happened. If you remember the timeline, I went to Lake County in June of 2018. Lou gets conned 16 months later in the same county. Lake County, Illinois. All while Lake County State's attorney investigators had verbally told me the arrest was coming in early 2019. But that never happens. So while Dugo is under investigation, he is still out there doing what he does best. It is a really terrible end result and one that should have been prevented if Lake County could have acted quicker. When I approached Lake County and read them the letter I wrote, I implored them to move quickly so we could protect just one more person from falling prey to Dugo. I mean, this should never have happened. This was my biggest fear. While Dugo is under investigation, he could give a shit as nothing is ever going to slow him down. No one is going to stop him. Now, it gets a little bit more interesting, as in late 2019, on a date I am not able to find, Dugo is subpoenaed to appear in front of the Lake County, Illinois, Northern District Grand Jury. Now, all I have ever been told is that Ricky Dugo was sworn in and then didn't answer a single question. He pled the fifth on every single question. I don't know anything about the grand jury indictment that was conducted completely in secrecy. At some point during this proceeding, one of Ricky Dugo's attorneys works out a sweetheart deal. If Dugo was to be charged and subsequently arrested in the future, instead of Dugo being arrested in a very public way, Dugo's attorneys asked for a special condition be made and as a gentleman's agreement. If he was to be charged, he would just walk into the Lake County Courthouse and surrender himself on his own recognizance without any public incident. How thoughtful, right? I mean, this fucking douchebag who has wrecked hundreds of people's lives should be arrested while he's at Lifetime Fitness in front of hundreds of his watchful neighbors. I mean, what the fuck? And now, it is the end of 2019. And if you remember... My good old pal, Detective Bill Bang, is about to retire. I am struggling as there is such a lull in the action. I had heard about Lou from a very distant source, but I didn't know the details until more public information appears in 2022. I just knew someone had paid off Dugo's hotel bill, and I was really angry that there sounded like another victim, one that came after I went to the authorities. As the end of 2019 nears, I remember being hopeful that great things were coming in 2020. On December 31st, I am not feeling very well. I am severely ill. I have a cold and a cough, and my lungs feel like they are on fire. Whatever I have is really something serious. I would wake up in the middle of the night and cough so hard and for so long I could barely catch my breath. I have this sickness for a full two weeks. Little did any of us know of the impending storm that was coming. And in just a few months, the world as we knew it would be turned upside down. The pandemic was upon us and everything we were used to doing would be coming to a full stop as we had to pivot and learn how to survive with a potential killer virus on the loose. Life as we knew it would change and we would all become closer in our houses with our loved ones and learn how to socially distance ourselves in public spaces in order to not get too close to one another and contract COVID-19. I realize many listeners out there may have lost a friend or loved one to the pandemic. And obviously, the pandemic will potentially go down as one of the most defining moments of our generation. Similar to those that survived the plague and yellow fever And all of those other crazy viruses that have come and gone in the history of the world. So no, I wasn't expecting Lake County to do anything at this point in 2020. I just chalked it up to another win for Ricky Dugo. More time on the loose and free to live his best con man life. I would guess that he was also collecting the U.S. government COVID stimulus checks since he never filed income on his IRS tax returns, from what I have been told. How fortunate to not have to pay taxes and then get a bailout. If you remember 2020, maybe you remember how long and slow that year went by at first. For me and my family, we had been looking at houses in Long Grove, Illinois, since about 2019. And just a few days into lockdown of 2020, we had made a deal on a new house. The terms of the purchase or that it would be a quick turnaround, a 30-day close. The deal we struck was about two months before the prices of homes exploded nearly everywhere. So my wife and I packed up the house and made our move around Memorial Day of 2020. I will tell you now that moving in the beginning of the pandemic was amazing for me mentally having so many little projects to get done around the place. You know, when you are first settling in to a new home, it really took my mind off of the investigation. I remember that summer flying by, and while the pandemic changed how we would be social, I was almost too busy getting the house unpacked to really let that get me down. I embarked on a new hobby to keep my mind steady. I spent the balance of the summer and into the fall of 2020 whittling wood and making over 40 walking sticks that at some point I planned on selling at a farmer's market. The key to surviving the pandemic was to keep your body and mind in balance. I should mention that I stopped going to export fitness once the pandemic had started in the house we moved to we had an amazing space to build out a gym and so i outfitted the gym with legit pre-core equipment and dumbbells and barbells and mirrors and i started working out at home i didn't love working out at home i will admit i did miss being around other fitness folks and i missed my export fitness friends But we all had to make changes, and for the next three years, this will be the place that I find my center and solace. There are two more significant events in 2020 that delayed Dugo being arrested. At some point in the summer of 2020, Assistant District Attorney Fred Day makes a decision to leave the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. Fred wants to move to the other side of the courtroom and takes a position as a defense attorney at a private firm. I do not hear anything about him leaving until January of 2021. In looking back, in my opinion, with Fred Day leaving, the case for a few months just sits idle waiting for somebody at the state's attorney's office to pick up the case again. The second is that 2020 was an election year. The current regime and leadership within the state's attorney's office since 2012 had been Republicans. Lake County State's attorney, Michael Nierheim, who was a two-term elected official would be going up against an up-and-coming Democrat opponent in the November 10, 2020 election. Neirheim was set to defend his post against the Democrat challenger, Eric Reinhardt. On election night, Nierheim was initially leading Reinhardt by a very large gap. Neirheim had received 41,757 votes to Reinhardt's 25,335. But by the time the dust had settled and all of the votes were processed over the next seven days, Nierheim conceded victory to Reinhardt, 163,501 votes for Reinhardt to 151,991 for Nierheim. Nierheim would go on to say, and I quote, I think certainly the blue wave that's been hitting Lake County for the last couple of election cycles was definitely a factor. So in late 2020, the results are in. There is going to be a completely new Lake County State's Attorney coming in early 2021. I am left to wonder what happens now. New leadership may be good. Or it could be bad for me and the Dugo investigation. I will have to wait patiently and see. Something that is weighing on my mind is that we are now almost two and a half years into this investigation. And the statutes for charging Ricky Dugo will expire after three years. It's been a very long time, and I am extremely concerned that once again Dugo may get off scot-free. So much uncertainty surrounds this case, and by this time in late 2020, I feel like the promises I made to each and every victim I talked to were promises I could not keep. I get texts and emails every few days asking me if any arrest is on the horizon. And I can tell that there's a sense of disappointment. And I honestly couldn't blame them for feeling like I sold them a bad bill of goods. The more time that goes by, the more my credibility and credence is lost. I'm really not doing so well mentally at this point. This is what chasing Dugo does to you. It just keeps on going and going and it wears on you, grinding you down into just a stump of who you used to be. I am reclusive and short in my responses. I just want to sleep and forget the last two and a half years of my life. And so I slept. By the end of 2020, my hope was fading. And my faith in letting the system work for me as a means to finding a way to take Dugo down was teetering. With Detective Bill retiring at the end of 2019 to a global pandemic, to the ADA in charge of this case leaving for private practice, and a complete changing of the guard from the top down, you just couldn't make this shit up. And you had to start to wonder, when the statutes elapse and the potential for charges is wasted, how am I going to get my justice? I start to mentally prepare myself and my wife for taking things into my own hands. There is a point when chasing Dugo breaks you, and that is where I am at. I keep waking up in the middle of the night with these dexterous dreams to the point I tell my wife I was going to start writing a book. The title of this book 50 Ways to Kill a Con Man. I swear to God. Around the second week of January 2021, My cell phone rings, and it's a phone number I recognize from the Lake County's office of the state's attorney. I answer the call, and the voice on the other end says, Hello, is this Adam Albin? I respond with, Yes, that is me. The voice on the other end of the conversation says, Hi, Adam, my name is Kevin Barrell. I am the assistant district attorney that will be taking over the Ricky Dugo case. I'm sitting here with Detective Tony Theis, and I wanted to thank you for your patience. I wasn't sure you knew or had heard that Fred Day has since left this office as of late last year, and he's gone into private practice. I know it's been a long time, I can't imagine, Adam, what that feels like, but I did want you to know that I am not new to the Dugo investigation, nor the case the state is putting together. I have been lurking in the background and providing the team support when they needed it, so I am familiar With Ricky Dugo I just wanted to call you And let you know We haven't forgotten about you And we definitely haven't forgotten About Mr. Dugo With the changing of the guard I made sure to meet with Eric Reinhardt To let him know We are late in the game But we have to make this a priority If you have any questions, Adam Feel free to reach out I ask him When is he going to be arrested? Kevin responds, That is a good question. We know the statutes of limitations are coming up in just a few months. But I am not able to tell you any more than that, Adam. Sorry, ma'am. I know it's been a really long time. Hang in there. It had been months since anyone from Lake County had checked in. It was nice to hear someone was picking up where Assistant District Attorney Fred Day had left off. Something that was bothering me and in the back of my head was this. About a year into the investigation, when there were about 10 Ricky Dugo victims, that if he was arrested in late 2018 to early 2019, would have had potential charges. Detective Bill always estimated that there would be around 20 to 30 total charges and that Ricky wouldn't be able to wiggle his way out of all of them. As I looked at the date, it's January of 2021, which means my coworker and Brad and Scott and all five of the Greg's Landing victims were now never going to be able to have their cases be heard as nice as it was to finally hear from the state's attorney's office, I was thinking about all of the events that had happened in Dugo's favor over the last two and a half years Dugo always beats the rap and now I know why during the entire two and a half years I was wrong about being able to be the guy that could change his destiny. Luck just keeps on rolling his way I think I have delayed this information long enough. There is something I need to admit to each and every one of you. On June 4th of 2018, just six days after the Ricky Dugo Facebook spoof page went live, and four days since it vanished, never to be seen again, I receive an email into the conbyrick at gmail.com email box. The email has no subject. It just says, call me and lists out a phone number. The email is from an alias, so I respond that I need more information on who you are and what information this person would like to share. For the purposes of this podcast, And in real life, I have called him George Red. That was his fake name he chose on the first email he sent to me, and it stuck. I emailed him saying I needed to vet him, and I needed to protect myself. So if he had something to give me, this would be the time, as I don't just call anyone. He responds, I understand, and I'm trying to do the same. I have a lot of information to share with you, but it seems like you are on the right track. I can tell you Rick also used to use the name Rick Mazzetti as an alias. He is also a convicted felon in Ohio. Google Sandusky court records felony theft charge under Rick Schulte filed in 2007. The scum has been hurting people financially and emotionally for over 20 to 30 years. Basically, and again, this is 100% truth. He has been in this background with me the entire time providing what I call ground support. He has been my secret confidant for over five years. He has been pointing me in various directions, most of them solid leads. On occasion, he would send me down a rabbit hole or in the wrong direction altogether. He wasn't directly a Ricky Dugo victim he had been collecting data and information and stories about Dugo for about 10 years. Why was he watching Dugo? One of his family members was a Dugo victim, and he had always known that Dugo was a much bigger criminal than law enforcement or even the FBI led him on to be. George Red gave me the information about the hidden Sandusky, Ohio felony, which I brought with me and included in the letter to Detective Bill. He also provided me with victims, names, dates, phone numbers, basically helping me fill in the gaps of 2007-ish through 2017. What is so neat about this relationship is that while he knows my real name, I have no idea what his is. I have never asked. I have never needed to figure it out. I have always liked the relationship as it was. So, even though there was one time he called me and his real phone number flashed up uh, instead of his usual no caller ID visual identification, I took down the phone number, but I've never looked it up. I don't want to. I don't need to. In 2018, We would talk almost every day, to the point he was going through burner phones and prepaid minutes every week or so. We would communicate on a messenger service, and if I had to guess how many messages we shared with one another, I would put it well into the 100,000 messages range. And it hasn't always been a good time working with him. It could be frustrating. I mean, this is a grind. And he, like me, would get really mad that Dugo had just kept getting away with it, and would often spiral out of control to the point he would just say, fuck it, he was done. Regardless of the ups and downs, the thousands of hours talking on the phone, and being so invested into catching a con man, we have divided And conquered. So I wanted to take a moment and specifically say to George Red, Thank you, brother. It was a pretty fucking wild ride. I won't give you the graph. Three blue thumbs up. On March 12th, 2021, I am out walking in the neighborhood with my wife. It happened to be a sunny, semi-brisk, 45-degree morning. When a phone call comes into my cell phone, the f- phone flashes no caller ID. I tell my wife, it's George Red, and I better answer it.
0: It sure seems like everything is going the con man's way. Is there no clear way to stop his devious crimes? How many more setbacks can Adam endure before he takes matters into his own hands? If you are fascinated by this story, please tell your friends and family about it. Together we can change the narrative and make sure that the Ricky Dugos of this world are put on notice. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, is there a break in the case? Adam searches far and wide for a partner in the media and makes an everlasting friendship.